You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. A good Saturday or a good Sunday afternoon, I should say. Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And uh, we've got a couple of special guests on the show today. I'm going to introduce them here in a second. But first, let's just mention that this show is brought to you by uh, mercyandme.ca. Guys, if you're looking to make a purchase for a family member, maybe a friend expecting a little one, go check out their website. Uh, It's easy to order. It's shipped right to your door. They got everything from blankets to burp cloths to fidgets, uh, everything they got you covered. Uh, They're also big supporters of Packernet Podcast. So let's make sure we support those who support us. And also, we want to plug our Monday Night Football giveaway, Packers-Rams, December 19th at Lambeau Field. We're giving away one indoor club seat to that matchup. The value is at $500, plus a uh, VIP tailgate party pass at $75 uh, value. If you want to enter that contest, all you got to do is go to my Twitter page, at Packers underscore access, retweet the tweet that's pinned at the top of the page, and make sure you follow at Packers underscore access. That'll enter you into the contest, and uh, we're going to give that – the way we're going to do a drawing here, probably mid-August is kind of the goal and see who's going to win that. I know, Jacob, you're uh, you're going to be with us at that ball game and it'll give, you know, the listener that wins the uh, ticket a chance to kind of hang out with us. We're going to be up there about 67 degrees, have food served to us right there indoors. I know Sam Holman's going to be down in the bowl. We'll have to keep checking on him. We need to find out where he's sitting and make sure hypothermia hadn't set in, right? Maybe drag him up there into the warm for a second. But how you doing today, Jacob? Oh man, I'm doing great. It's uh, Sunday. I got the day off. I might even have, I don't want to uh, promise anything, but me and my little brother, we've got some uh, something in the works where possibly we may have at least two to four tickets for that Rams game available. I'm still working on it. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. And guys, we are very, very honored to have on the uh, the man himself, Mr. Ryan Schlipp, Pack Daddy. And this is kind of a, a little bit of a special occasion. I know we're going to do something a little different later to to commemorate it. But Ryan, you just passed one million downloads with Packernet Podcast. Is that true? It is. Yeah, I just uh, I knew we were getting close. I've been updating you guys. I kind of thought it wouldn't be until maybe after Monday because the weekend is usually pretty slow. But uh, we kind of crushed this weekend. Uh, big shout out to all the all the shows that have been going out. And I just I just glanced at it today. I was going to give an update of how many thousand away we are, and uh, we were at like one million one thousand. It's like oh, dang! So <laughs> little little sooner than I expected, but uh, that's great news. And I I love that it's it's happening now. You know, we crossed a million. Some of the we've hit some other markers that I mentioned to you guys on daily downloads. We got the training camp coming up. We got some stuff we want to do for that. So 
it feels like everything's kind of coming together right now and it just feels awesome. Awesome. Good stuff, man. I, I know, dude, it, it's, I love how you approach it. It's, Hey guys, we just hit a million downloads, but let's be honest. This was you. We, we came on late in the game. It's something that man, again, it's what drew me to the podcast that you did was the fact that, uh, that you, uh, you did a podcast virtually every single day. And in the off season, man, when everybody was talking about Mount Rushmore's and their favorite hot dogs and all this stuff, you were still talking about significant Packer content and uh, definitely appreciate it. So congratulations on that. And guys, what we're going to cover on the show today, uh, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to talk about weeks four, five, and six in the upcoming season. We're going to kind of do a little bit of scouting report on each of these teams, uh, just maybe some facts and, and little tidbits that you might not know going into those games. And we're kind of getting through this series before training camp gets really underway and we start doing our, our preseason coverage and all that camp battles, stuff like that. And then we're going to wrap up the show with a little Packers news uh, pertaining to David Bakhtiari. As you all know, the news came out. And I released the show yesterday, Ryan. And uh, lo and behold, I said, hey, man, the great news is Dave Bakhtiari isn't on the pup list. And then <laughs> a couple hours later, there he was on the pup list. So I was like, well, crap. But we're going to talk about that and probably give you guys a little bit of hope. And and I know on Twitter right now, it's a little doom and gloom. But before we get this thing kicked off with these uh, three games, I thought we would play a quick clip for everybody here. Leave it for the Algerian Mares for Meccano's header. De Bruyne. Jack Grealish. Grealish created it. Holland wheeling away. And Manchester City enjoy a 12th minute lead. All right, so that was the soccer match they had at Lambeau Field last night. And I don't know if you guys watched it or not. You know, I, I'm out at a sports bar with some friends. We got a crew of about 12 people together, and uh, we're hanging out. And I look up at the screen, and they got cornhole on ESPN News. I'm like, are they really broadcasting a cornhole tournament right now? And Jay Cutler was up there. I was like, what? What am? What is? And I, you know, I look back at the bar, and I'm like, hey, can we get this changed to ESPN? And a couple of the rednecks at the bar down here in Tennessee was like, thank you. I don't want to watch cornhole. And we changed it over to a soccer game, and they looked at me like, you traitor. Like, how <laughs> How is this not on a 1987 NASCAR race? What are you doing watching soccer, right? And I'm like, it's Lambeau Field. It's rainy. I'm watching it, okay? That's just how I am. And I was sitting there the whole time, you know, had this, this look on my face of seriousness as if, as if I knew what was going on. Like, oh, yeah, that was offsides. Yeah, I had no clue why that was offsides. But I'm just going to nod my head and pretend like I know what's happening here. But uh, I got about 12 blazing hot wings deep. And I'm probably going to need one of those burnt cloths for Mercy and me by the end of this show. I'm just telling you right now, I'm hurting this morning, hurting bad. So, <clears throat> old, coming up on 40, and it was a rough night. So, with that being said, let's jump into week four against the New England Patriots. Let's get away from this soccer match now that it's over. I hope it made the Green Bay Packers a good little chunk of change. But uh, New England, week four, 425 kickoff. The New England Patriots last year were 10-7. and seven. You guys know they turned it around pretty quick with Mac Jones as their rookie quarterback. Their scoring offense was sixth in the league with 27.2 points per game, and their scoring defense came in second at 17.8 points per game. You guys have heard me talk at nauseum about Bill Belichick's red two defense there in the red zone and uh, just how effective that is both in New England and in Alabama with Nick Saban. They created that together in, in, with their time in Cleveland. But let's start with you, Jacob. 
New England, man, what are you thinking here week four? What stood out to you when you kind of dove into this game? Yeah, well, I think this is the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the first time we finally faced an established head coach this year, which is great. And he's not necessarily uh, just established. He's the GOAT, obviously. Clayton can't stop talking about Bill Belichick in every single podcast he does. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, it, it, you know, it's the, it's the Patriots. One thing I'm glad uh, Pac Daddy's here for is when I'm looking at their PFF grades, I'm wondering how, when you look at their defense individually, you, you know, you look at their cornerbacks rating at 52.4, 50.7 Mills has a 67.5, but then on that D line, 62, 63, 63, 60. The point being they're graded out as PFFs overall fourth best defense. So how does PFF justify having such average to low average grades individually but then have that defense become like i said ranked fourth overall do you guys can you touch on that maybe yeah what do you think ryan what what kind of stands out man yeah so there, there's a couple things first of all there, there's a lot of teams that are like that i talk about it once in a while on the podcast how on paper you know the the, the chiefs are sort of the prototypical one that i always go to on paper that defense sucks but yet they they always rank high they they do well so i i, I don't really know how to reconcile that necessarily with the Patriots specifically, though, um, and I don't know, I, it's, it's hard to kind of touch on it without just launching into my thoughts overall, but um, I, I, I genuinely believe that they're overrated. And they were, they were weird last year, right? Because I was torn between, on one hand, this is a team that kind of sucks. You know, their record isn't great, and they went on these losing spurts and all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, sixth overall offense, number two overall <laughs> defense, and then what, the point differential, which is kind of a powerhouse ranking, they were one of the top teams in football. But a couple things that I noticed, I'll, I'll, I'll just do it. I'm just going to jump in and kind of give okay. my overall or whatever. But um, number one is if you really look at it, they started off like garbage. They were two and four. Then they went on this massive win streak uh, from week seven to week 13. They went undefeated. Then they sucked again. Loss, loss, win, loss, loss. Um so there was this weird spurt. And if you look at the individual players, pretty much everybody on their team sucked, but the ones that graded out kind of high, they had this little spurt in between McCordy had it. I think Duggar had it a couple yep. different guys on their team. They had these spurts of good games right in that mid range. So, um, you know, they, they were able to kind of pull that off. And then the other thing that I noticed about the team in particular, if you look at their record against winning teams, if you look at who they beat, I mean, their, their record, their, their schedule sucked. If all their wins in order, Jets, Texans, Jets, Chargers, Panthers, Browns, Falcons, Titans, Bills, Jaguars, only two teams in there were any good, and that's the Bills and the uh, Titans. And that one Bills, they lost twice to the Bills. They beat them once. The only time they beat the Bills was that one game with like 90-mile-an-hour wins and everything that was just yep. ridiculous, and Bill Belichick just had a better plan. So the only actual really good win was against the Titans. And obviously they've got that familiarity as coaches and all that kind of stuff. But I think against winning teams, their record was uh, like three and seven. So mm. I just think that they're overrated. I think that they beat up on garbage teams. They, their, their ratings were so good offensively and defensively because when they beat them, they crushed them, right? They, I mean, they, they had scores of, you know, 36 to 13 against Tennessee, 45 to seven against the Browns, 50 to 10 against the Jaguars, 54 to 13 against the Jets. When they beat teams, they absolutely crushed them, but they didn't win very often. And they basically got annihilated by any team that was any good. You know, they lost to the Cowboys. They lost to the Dolphins. They lost to the Bills. They lost to the Bucks. They lost to the Colts. They lost to the Bills. They lost to the Dolphins. They lost to the, uh, the Saints. Pretty much every team that's any good 
they beat the the Patriots. So um, I don't think when they go up against good competition, they're very good. I think Bill Belichick, when he, you know, he's very good at, at scheme and coming up with ways to beat a team. And if he finds that way, he's going to just beat you over the head with it over and over and over again. But I, I, do, I just don't see it as a very good team. I don't think that they have a real good secondary. I think that they lost some of their key players. They, didn't, they brought back most of them, but lost a lot of their key players. And kind of similar to the Vikings, he's really just holding on to the old guard. You know, McCourty's like 35 years old. I mean, some of these guys that, that are able to still employ that um, Bill Belichick defense are guys that have been doing it for the last 10 years. He's even bringing guys back. Um, he brought back uh, what the heck are these guys' names real quick, and then I'll and then I'll be quiet. Um, the linebacker, Mac Wilson. No, dang it! I don't know. It's from last year. He he was he bounced around between Detroit and and. Uh, oh, was it Jamie? Uh, Jamie Collins. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy, and then they brought back the corner. Um, Malcolm Butler, Malcolm Butler. So he's, he's even reaching back out to these guys that used to do it back in the day, you know, because he lost, I think JC Jackson. So he's like, all right, let's go get Malcolm Butler. He's, he's just doing this. It's like, he's got nothing new. He can't draft anymore. So things are actually starting to spiral down things. He's his draft record has been terrible. The team's falling apart. So he's just going and finding these old guys who know how to do it the old way and seeing if they still got a little bit left, but really that, that, that flickering light is starting to flicker off. Um, the only real hope is, is the quarterback, Mac Jones, you know, they've, they've got a good offensive line. They got maybe pretty good running backs, but even Mac Jones, if you look at it, he was looking real hot for a stretch there. And then down the stretch, it, it, it all just fell apart. I mean, his last five, six, seven, eight games, uh, he had like one or two decent games, but otherwise he was just trash. So, um, I think they're overrated. I think the stats look better than they are. And, um, Again, against against any quality opponent, they they more or less just got annihilated last year. Yeah, they, they yeah. definitely took advantage, <clears throat> excuse me, of the fact that, you know, what makes the NFL so great when a team does bad, they get an easier schedule the next year, obviously playing, you know, opponents of, of lesser value or lesser worth. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're talking about Belichick and his age, too. My God. I'm 39 years old. I'm talking about I'm about to overdose on Tums over here eating 12 hot wings <laughs> last night, right? And this guy's still out there coaching. It's pretty remarkable. But from a you know statistical standpoint or a game plan game plan standpoint, they do have one of the more balanced attacks as far as personnel goes. They ran 11 personnel 56% of the time, 21 personnel 23% of the time, and 12 personnel 14% of the time. If you're new to the show, what I mean by personnel, 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end, that means – it's a three-wide set, 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, obviously most likely an eye formation or an offset eye, and then 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. So we're going to kind of talk about that as we move forward with these next few games. But the run-to-pass ratio was 46% run, 54% pass. Most of the most of the time it's because they were in close games, so they didn't have to get those inflated pass you know ratio numbers. Uh, from the offensive side of the ball, they have no coordinator listed. And this Bill Belichick 101 is what he does, you know, he doesn't have a coordinator listed. However, he's got Joe Judge and Matt Patricia back on the staff. And everybody likes to scoff at that and laugh at it, you know, because they did horrible in Detroit, horrible in New York. Guys, remember, these were the two, two of the most highly touted future head coaches in the entire league. 
they're great at what they do within Bel- within Belichick's building, but you know obviously don't have what it takes to be a head coach at the moment. On the defensive side of the ball, no coordinator listed again. They got Gerard Mayo, who's a linebackers coach, obviously played for Belichick. He's one of the guys that's been interviewed for several head coaching jobs. And then his son, Steve Belichick, with the secondary. And we don't know who's calling the plays there. So essentially nothing's going to change from a, a, a schematic standpoint for the New England Patriots. But I think you're, you guys, uh, your analysis is spot on there. They are an aging team. And it's like like Belichick's just trying to get to that Shula win record and then right off into the sunset. He's just trying to patch it together as he goes. So good stuff. Let's move on to the New York football Giants. We got them in week five. This is going to be a game that's played in London. I know you guys are early birds like me. I'm excited about having a 9.30 a.m. kickoff. I wish it was at Lambeau, don't get me wrong, but it's going to be pretty darn cool to wake up that Sunday and watch football at 9.30 in the morning and watch the Packers game. But obviously the Giants were 4-13 and last year. They fired everybody in the building, including the janitors. Um, their <laughs> scoring offense was 31st in the league at 15.2 uh, points per game. Their scoring defense was 23rd in the league at 24.5 points per game given up and uh, they bring in Brian Dayball from Buffalo right and Buffalo's run to pass ratio was 41 percent run 59 percent pass Um, obviously he brings over Mike Kafka from Kansas City he was the quarterback's coach so you're going to get a little bit of that Kansas City blend in there and on defense they bring in Don Martindale from uh, Baltimore who was the defensive coordinator there for the last several years Here's the here's the big big deal though, guys. The Giants do not have a Josh Allen at quarterback. They do not have a Stephon Diggs at wide receiver, and they darn sure don't have that offensive line and defensive line shirt up the way the Buffalo Bills did. But how do you guys see it, Jacob? Let's start with you, man. New York Giants uh, game there in Week Five in London. Are we going to be yeah. over there sipping tea with our pinkies out with a big win, or do you think the Giants will surprise us? And I don't know that I, I love that early morning game. Like, like you said, it's at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, whatever that is, wherever that hey, is. Do you, you hear that, Ryan? Do you hear that accent? That's that nice, man. That was real nice. Yeah, they're giving Green Bay seven points. I mean, the only thing I obviously don't like about this game is they're calling it a home game. Yeah, all right. Well, I don't think that it's, you know, what is it, 27 hour plane trip or something like that? Like that, no matter. And I think they play the next week within seven days. So I, uh, I think Ryan talked about how we have the least rest on this schedule, the upcoming, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, looking at the giants, I mean, assuming that their draft picks work out and they're even decent then they, you know, it was a decent draft for them where they can maybe start to put some building blocks together. But like you said, they fired everybody. And <laughs> I mean, they started replacing, I saw they hired a lot of, it seemed like they hired a lot of women, like they're doing like a, a lot of, very new hires, very new people. So it looks like they're trying to start completely fresh. If you look at their depth chart as a guy that's looking at it in a fantasy perspective, it's, I don't know where they're going to go. I mean, you think Saquon Barkley is going to stay healthy. I don't know. I I'm going to draft his backup for sure. Every single year you look at Sterling Shepard, he's questionable right now. Kadarius Tony is a little bit questionable, banged up. Um, so their weapons, I don't know. I, I think that Wandale Robinson, a guy from Kentucky, Hey Clayton, um, Yep. He could be interesting. Again, he's almost in that Kadarius Tony type mold where he's just shifty. You give him the ball and just, even though he's like five, two and weighs a hundred pounds, like just give him the ball and see what he does. And then on uh, like Ryan said, I don't know. I mean, on their offensive line, if Neil can step in and even be decent, you know, that's a big, if obviously then they had their, uh, their rookie tight end Bellinger, I believe they just put on the pup list. And I think he's not looking like he's going to be a, be able to play this year so a lot of things that um packer fans are taking for granted thinking we're the only team with a bunch of banged up guys that's not true they um 
even before I believe the Patriots had two of their starting captains and three other guys on the pup list. So we're not the only ones dealing with that. And I think we should keep that in perspective. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Ron? How you see it, man? Yeah, I think you both are, are right on with a lot of different points. Um, the, the new coaching staff, obviously these are big names. I'm not sure how much I buy into the Dable thing. Just like you said, you know, people get all excited when a team really goes off, but it's because of the pieces you got, you know, it's, it's Josh Allen. Um, it's, it's the wide receivers. It's the offensive line It's the running backs. You can't just take a guy like Dable, which we saw, and we'll talk about with the jets. You can't just take a big name, plop them in and say, now we're going to be the Buffalo bills. Um, I do think maybe, I mean, that, that was a horrible coaching staff. I mean, they, they did a terrible job. I, I don't think they got the full potential out of some of these guys. I think there's a little bit more for Mac Jones. I think there's certainly more for, for Kenny Galladay. He was by far a better wide receiver than we saw last year. But I do think there's also a limit, right? There's not that much more to go outside of that. Like you said, Saquon is not going to stay healthy. I don't think Shepard brings much as a wide receiver. Um, the offensive line is just bad. I mean, Thomas is good at tackle. And yeah, we got Neil to figure out the interior is terrible. And then with Wink Mark Martindale, it's like, you know, I, I, again, I don't know how much more you can do with these pieces. The uh, They brought in Kayvon Thibodeau. Maybe he'll be something. I don't know. But there's still nothing else. The two defensive tackles, I think, are more big names than anything. That Their pass rush rates are, are kind of terrible. The linebackers are garbage. Um, the fact that they currently have a fourth-round draft pick projected to be a starting safety is always a terrible sign. It's not Belton. Uh, Belton, yeah, yeah exactly. Ohio, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of issues with, with that. And, and In other words, I'm excited to see, just as an NFL fan, what can happen and what they can get out of this team because I always thought the Giants were better than what they put on the field. But I, I still also think there's an upper limit. Even if they get the most out of these guys – it's still a bad unit. It's still a bad defense. It's still a bad offensive line. And I think, I think Jones, Daniel Jones has a uh, limited upside also, as much as I still think he has some room to go. Um, I just don't see him be, being a great uh, quarterback. So it's exciting to see what they can do, but I, I don't really see them as a serious threat to the Packers, but kind of like you said, uh, Jacob, the, the concern is, is we're flying all the way out there and how is that going to impact um, the the team overall. And if we show up flat, then obviously we're in trouble, but I don't really see them as a, as a very serious threat long-term. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, The only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Definitely. And as far as the Buffalo Bills and, and Brian Dayball coming over as offensive coordinator, they were in 11 personnel 71% of the time last year, 21 personnel 10% of the time, 12 personnel 8% of the time, and 10 personnel 7% of the time. Now, I, I think that's going to change quite a bit if Saquon is healthy. We Probably not the case. I mean, like you said, Sooner or later, you got to just accept, you know, accept the player for who he is, right? And uh, you know, you, you, one of you guys had mentioned it there. It's it's about the piece. It was Ryan mentioned. You know, it's about the pieces. You know that Buffalo had in place, and New York just doesn't have those pieces. I think they did good in the draft. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau, I think was a great pick. Uh, Evan Neal was a great pick. I am a Wandale Robinson fan, obviously being a Kentucky fan, but uh, at the same time, man, it's going to take some time for those rookies to start to have an impact. I think maybe Evan Neal might be the only one that really comes in day one and has an effect. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to have a little bit of a transition to the next game, to the, you know, to the NFL. Cause what people don't understand, like someone like Kayvon Thibodeau that likes to line up in that wide nine, the hash marks in college really, really benefit you playing out of that wide nine in college. It's a whole different ball game when you get to the men's league. I mean, it really is. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too concerned with the New York Giants. I think they put some things in place. I think if, if they give Dayball time and now that they've got a, a new GM, I believe they hired a new GM, if I remember correctly, maybe they can start to right the ship, but I don't think it's going to happen over there uh, across the pond in the Queensland. I think the Packers will come away with a, a pretty easy win there for sure. So let's move on to the New York Jets. Man, what an offseason for, for our quarterback up there, right? Uh, <laughs> you guys have kept up with that. But yeah, he might have he might have uh, rung on a lot of fans, and he may have uh, actually won over the locker room. With we know how that bravado is in an NFL locker room sometimes. But we won't get into the details of that comment. Do your own research. But um, we got Robert Sala there. And I know, Jacob, you've been the biggest critic of Robert Sala. It seems like every time he gets brought up, Jacob's like, why do people love this guy? He sucks as a head coach. But uh, let's talk about their personnel. They were in 11 personnel 61% of the time last year, 12 personnel 20% of the time, 10 personnel 8% of the time, 21 personnel 5% of the time. And the reason I'm mentioning these numbers is because that's what's going to dictate what kind of defense is going on the field for the Green Bay Packers, right? If they're in 11 personnel 61% of the time, probably going to see a lot of that nickel two four, five, and some of that three, three, five look. And then when they go to 12, we might actually see our base look where you're going to have a TJ Slate and Devontae White uh, and uh, Kenny Clark on the field at the same time, or you know, probably Jerron Reed in the early going is as bad as I hate to say that, but I, I'm hoping Devontae Wyatt really turns heads in camp. Um, his run to pass ratio was kind of surprising uh, you know, on the surface. Uh, 37% of the time they ran the ball, 63% of the time they passed. But then when you think about it, it's the Jets probably playing from behind the entire year. Obviously their offensive coordinator is Matt LaFleur's little brother, Michael LaFleur, and they have a defensive coordinator, Jeff Albrecht, that was brought over from 49ers as well. So you essentially got the 49ers scheme implemented in New York. Is this the second year, guys? Am I thinking right? The second year they've been there? Or is it the third? I thought it was the second. Yeah, second. Okay, so this is their sophomore approach to, to this uh, this new look that they have up there. I don't know, man. The Jets still look like a train wreck to me. But how do you see it, Jacob? Is, is there anything to worry about with the Jets? You know, last year, I, no. I think <laughs> they finished with four wins last year, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, four and thirteen. I mean, no, I don't think there's anything to worry about the Jets. I do not like Robert Salah. I don't get how I was looking through here thinking like, oh, we have to play the Jets. That means we have to face another new head coaching staff. And I'm like, oh no, they they like him. Okay, um, so 
<laughs> I'm looking at the uh, their draft picks. In my opinion, I think they had a great draft. I think they may have the best draft if you're looking at guys that can start day one. I mean, Ahmad Gardner, he's going to start day one. Wilson's probably going to start day one. Jermaine Johnson is fighting for a number one battle because I believe they're, yeah, Carl Lawson just got put on pup. Brees Hall is going to start day one. Jeremy Ruckert probably would have had a battle for the tight end position had he not had a non-football injury because Uzuma, CJ Uzuma is now on the pup list. I think all they other have is uh, Tyler Conklin and who wants Tyler Conklin? Matt's Mitchell, their offensive tackle out of Louisiana Lafayette is going to fight for a starting tackle position only because I believe, yeah, George Fant, their starting left tackle. He's on the pup list. Mecky Becton or as his name is Makai Becton, but as Ryan calls him, Mecky Becton, which I'll yep. never forget. <laughs> He's on the pup. Drew Samia, their left guard backup is on the pup. Um, I sent you a, a video clip uh, Clayton about how basically they were doing kind of like their own little version of our, like Larry McCarron or the West Hodkowitz version where they break down their offensive line in like two minutes and they were pumped on their offensive line. And when you look at it again, on paper, Lakin Tomlinson coming in, Connor McGre- uh, McGovern looks great. Elijah Vera Tucker was great. And then, but those two, if you lose those two anchoring uh, tackles and a few of your key backups, then all of a sudden offensive line is a problem. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not scared of the jets. I, I never have been. I had to even look up their last four coaches. Robert Salah, obviously, you know how I feel about that. Adam Gase, Todd Bowles, Rex Ryan. I mean, if you're a Jets fan, it's it's been rough. It's been real rough. And um, the only thing I'll give you a little glimmer of hope, if you guys have seen the new Jets black alternative uniforms, they do look pretty badass. Gotta Dude, say. I'm telling you, man, the, the black that people are adding into their uniforms, the helmets for the Carolina Panthers, I'm not a big oh. That's cool. I seen that helmet. I was like, I might have to get one of those for the game room. That looks sick. I wish the Packers would do something. Just, I know we're so generic and I, I like that in a way, but I just, I want us to do something cool. Just better watch it, Jake. If you're tread, tread lightly, dude, it's, it's sacrilegious to think that we would wear anything other than the only jersey we've ever wore. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So Ryan, man, the New York jets, they came in, their scoring offense was uh, 28th in the league, 18.2 points per, per game. And then their scoring defense was dead last 29.6 points per game. Just another example of hiring a defensive coordinator as a head coach that I absolutely hate. Um, but they did add a few pieces in the first round there. They had three first round picks with cornerback Sauce Gardner, wide receiver Garrett Wilson, and then defensive end Jermaine Johnson. I think those are three pretty solid picks. Are they worth where they were picked? Who's to say? And uh, this publication says they gave them an A- on draft grade, which we all know is just an absolute joke that anyone tries to grade these draft classes in the early going. They also bring over Solomon Thomas from Vegas, right? And and obviously, uh, Salah gets uh, linked back up with him from the 49ers days. But how do you see it, uh, Ryan? What do you think here with the with the Jets? Anything at all to worry about now that we found out that this, uh, this young quarterback is an absolute dog? <laughs> I think the Jets are always fool's gold for me, kind of like the Lions. Every once in a while, you look at them and go, I don't know, man, there might be something here. And then it's like, why are you seriously betting on the Lions? Like, yeah, you're right. That's stupid. That's kind of how it is with the Jets. I mean, last year when they got Salah and they, I, I kind of started to buy in, I was like, maybe there's something here. They brought in LaFleur. So anytime somebody brings in that, that offensive scheme, it's like, oh, you never know. Maybe that'll help things out with the rookie and all that. And it just kind of fell apart. And I'm looking at the team and I don't know why. And it's kind of the same. I'm, I'm kind of doing it again as I look at it. I'm like, I don't know, man. The offensive line is decent. They brought in Wilson, the wide receiver. They've got two other good wide receivers. They got Brees Hall at running back. 
They got Carl Lawson coming back. He was injured. He was the one that got injured while practicing with the Packers. He's coming back. They brought in Jermaine Johnson, so maybe they got some pass rushers. I always like Quinn and Williams, even though he's been trash. But, you know, I, I can get myself to think that he'll be good at stuff. Um, they got Reed at corner. They brought in Sauce Gardner, so maybe they got two good safeties. They got LaMarcus Joyner, who, you know, again, he's been kind of trash for a while, but he was good that one time, so maybe he can be good. And C.J. Mosley's been trash, but, you know, he's a big name. So there's all these reasons you can talk yourself into the Jets, but it's still going to be the Jets. And at the end of the day, when even when you start looking at it and thinking, man, they could really be something, you hear reports about like uh, Mackie Becton is like massively overweight and and refuses to get in shape. He just will not listen. He's not doing what they say. The new coaching staff is like, uh, we don't want this guy. He's trash. And and the the you know front office is like, well, we drafted him kind of high and we like him, so shut up and play him. And so so there's just these <laughs> problems all the time that shouldn't exist. You got Wilson, make it work. You've got the offensive line. You got the wide receivers. You got the pass rushers. You got the corners. Why do you suck? I mean, Robert Sala was, I know it's the Jets, but you've been handed some stuff. There's there's a lot of, not just first round picks, but like top five picks all over the place on offense, on defense. You can't make this work, but the answer is no, he can't. LaFleur can't make it work. Sala can't make it work. It's not going to work. It's a train wreck. It's always been a train wreck. It's always going to be a train wreck. And again, I tried to to buy into it, and even the reports now coming out are already problems. The the coaching staff and the front office not seeing eye to eye, button heads, t- players not caring, and and I think that is a big part of it. When when your culture is so toxic and and just trash, it, it's hard to build this whole narrative of like we're going to turn things around, we're going to be real good. We're you tried that last year and you won no games. So now they come back this year, they hear the same rah rah speech about how things are going to be better, and they roll their eyes like whatever, dude. Give me my paycheck and shut up. And that's just kind of the the toxic culture of being a New York Jet. And fortunately, that's that's going to work to our benefit when we play them a bu- against a bunch of team or a bunch of players that just don't care. Led by a quarterback that, as Jacob said, is is basically just hot garbage. The guy just sucks. Yeah, and when you look at the last two years with the Giants and the Jets, both. God, it makes me so appreciative of the Green Bay Packers organization. <laughs> like, looking at the five-year win trend, I mean, 2017, five wins. 2018, four wins. 2019, seven wins. 2020, two wins. 2021, four wins. I mean, it looks like my stock portfolio right now with the current state of affairs. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, yeah, thank God. And, and Goody, we trust. Mark Murphy's a hero to me. And Matt LaFleur, not only is he the uh, most attractive head coach in the history of the entire National Football League, according to Packers Twitter, females, um, I just trust this organization so much and and appreciative that we've got a shot every single year, guys. And I don't think you could ask for much more than that. So great stuff on that three-game saturation. We'll jump into week seven next week. Um, you know, next Sunday's episode. But before we sign off here today, you know, I I'd released the show yesterday and talked about the great news was David Bakhtiari was not on the pup list, right? And uh, then a couple hours later, you know, the show went live and I see on Twitter, David Bakhtiari is put on the pup list. <laughs> so I want to get your all's take just firsthand. Let's start with you, Ron. What do you think about this David Bakhtiari situation? I guess the first question is not that anyone has any inside information or would know for sure, but do you think there's a chance he still plays this year? You know, how how much of a chance and and how's it look going forward in the future for David Bakhtiari? Because I think we would all agree that this this was definitely a, a bummer right on the surface. 
Well, first of all, I got you beat because with me recording a day in advance, um, I, I, I record, I released an episode this morning saying he's not on the pup list. So, so I'm looking extra stupid. So <laughs> don't, don't worry about yourself. Um, I, I think for me personally, it just kind of flipped in my mind from um, leaning toward the optimistic that everything's going to be fine. He'll probably play to leaning toward the, all right, we, we got to, we got to acknowledge there's a serious problem. There's still some people on on Twitter who are clinging to, um, you know, the, the the optimists that are saying anybody that's panicking is being stupid. I'm sorry, you can't say that anymore, right? There's there's something wrong, and it's just a matter of how bad is this. Um, you know, I, I saw somebody yesterday on Twitter saying it's probably just going to be a week or two. How in the world, when it's been this many weeks, can you assume it's only going to be one more week? You know what I mean? It's been 600 right. days, but it's stupid to think it's going to be more than seven more. That doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I, I'm not saying we have to go off the deep end and freak out and say, well, he's never going to play again. We got to cut him. We got to do all this stuff. And financially, we're ruined. You don't have to panic, but we do have to acknowledge that something's very wrong. And um, I don't know if he's going to play at all this year. And and with the the coaching staff being so... Um, evasive on answering it. I can't trust any of their answers anyways. You know, they've been saying he'll be okay for like a year now. Uh, we've been getting positive reports for literally one year. You know, he's out there jogging and doing all this stuff and it looks like everything's great. So um, until we see him on the field, I, I, I have no real trust in him coming back. And then the, the, the bigger issue is if there is some serious structural damage or whatever, you know, how likely is he to re-injure it, even if he does get on the field? And is it going to cause long-term issues where he doesn't play as well? He doesn't have the same flexibility or, or trust in his knee or any of that kind of stuff. So I, I do think at this point, my mind has kind of shifted toward, okay, what do we have beyond David Bakhtiari? Even if he plays, we got to start seriously looking to the future. And I, and I think the, the real positive is we're, we're in a better spot than a lot of other teams. Not, not a lot of people out there have somebody as good as David Bakhtiari um, looking at possibly losing that really good player, but I have a guy waiting in the wings like Elton Jenkins. You know what I mean? And and having had uh, um, even backups that have come in, we didn't have them at all last year. We won 13 games. That's another thing that should be remembered by everybody. So we're in pretty good hands. Um, I know Elton's injured right now, but he's he's sort of a long term solution at that position. The Packers have done a great job at drafting offensive linemen. I think we should trust in that. We've got two young guys that I think another positive is that we're going to get to see a lot of them. Um, you know, Royce will probably get some opportunities at tackle to see what he can do. We've got the, the Sean Ryan and Zach Tom that can take some snaps at tackle to see if any of those guys have that ability. And either way, they're going to be playing a lot of interior and we're going to see what they've got. And maybe, you know, we, we may find some stars there as well. So it's not doom and gloom. Look at some of the other teams that are out there and how horrible they've been. Um, over the years, we're, we're certainly not that team. We, we still have a premier tackle at the position, even if David Bakhtiari never plays a snap. So um, it sucks. It's sad. It's, it's never easy to acknowledge that something's coming to an end, whether that be, you know, Devontae Adams or, you know, back in the day with guys like Sitton or Balaga or whatever. But every time that happens, we panic, we freak out, we assume it's the end of the world, and we just move on. Everything's fine. We continue to win games. We continue to to learn to trust, or at least we think we do until the next time it happens. And then we panic again, but um, we'll see. Maybe it's for nothing. Maybe he plays week one and everything's fine. But again, my, my mind has shifted to, okay, something's wrong. And we need to kind of just accept that maybe there, there isn't going to be just a, a, a moment where everything's just fine again. 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think it's at this point, if you think everything's just, you know, hunky dory, you're probably burying your head in the sand. But at the same time, who knows? He may be fine. I I know this. Yash Najman, he's not a great offensive tackle. He's probably not even considered a good, a very good offensive tackle. But with enough time, enough preparation, get on the same page with Aaron until Elton is healthy, I think he can serve as, as our left tackle. I think he proved that, you know, especially going up against Bosa last year. But what do you think, Jacob? Uh, how do you, how do you feel, man? Just testing your pulse right now on the David Bakhtiari situation. Obviously, it's it's very inconvenient, but at the same time, uh, do you do you think it's the end of the world or what? Talk to him. Well, I mean, I'll. To be quick and succinct, yeah, I'm freaked out about it. I think it's <laughs> – like Ryan said, you go back literally a year to the day and you have the same exact news. Uh, you know, it's day-to-day. We're hoping that it'll be there and you know, we're just taking it easy and we'll see how it looks. And then and then right here, Bakhtiari, who has played just 27 snaps since tearing the ACL on his left knee during practice December 31st, 2020, was inactive for Packers' season-ending playoff loss to the San Francisco 49ers on the 22nd. But head coach Matt LaFleur said in the postseason news conference that if the team had beaten the 49ers and went on to the NFC Championship game, that he expected Bakhtiari to play. And to me, it's like... <laughs> how much further would he have hurt and how much farther delayed would his probably, you know, I, it's just nothing makes sense to me. And again, a quote from before from just the other day. Yeah, he's close. He's been close. I know Matt, we, he's been close for like a year and a half. And I don't know, like, like Ryan said, it's at the point now where I'm looking at, unfortunately the worst case scenario, like where do we plug him in? Who's coming to replace him kind of thing. So that's, and, and then we had to also put our rookie Rashid Walker and Caleb Jones on the non-football injury list as well. So it's just, I don't like it. It's a little too, too close for comfort. The fact that if Elton was healthy, I would not really stress about it as much. And if we didn't have injuries with Myers last year, obviously, like you said, and you know, if we got a good core group of guys that are healthy going into week one, I don't stress about it at all. If we're still missing Jenkins and Bakhtiari, I'm freaking out to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, I know we have the, the most knowledgeable, best listeners in the entire world that, you know, in all of Packer fandom, but there's probably some people out there that, that hear pup list and they immediately think of week six, right? Well, he can't play until week six. Now it's totally different right now. The pup list at the moment, yep. they can be put right back on the active roster at any second. Okay. So get that out of your mind. Uh, if you're, if you're hearing my voice right now and going, wow, we, we don't have them until week six. That's not the case at all. Okay. He can be, like I said, reinstated immediately. Now let's look at the contractual uh, aspect of this, this thing here. Now, if you look at Twitter right now, we won't name names, but everybody's doom and gloom. Everybody's all, oh, I can't believe they signed them to that. Not everybody. I shouldn't say everybody. It's a very blanket statement. There are some people with a lot of followers that are just, wow, man, this is a disaster for the, from a contractual standpoint that they they re-signed Bakhtiari's under contract through 2024, and he may not ever play another snap. Some are already going out and saying he's done, this and that. Let's look at the contract here real quick because, listen, it is not ideal. But I think we would all agree, you know, Ryan and I were talking off the air when they signed him to that deal back in, I believe it was 2020, maybe 2021. I can't remember when the extension was signed exactly. There wasn't a person on Twitter going, they shouldn't do this, not Mm -hmm. one single person. And it's amazing now all of a sudden it's, wow, that was stupid to re-sign him. Let's look at the contract. This year, his cap hit is $13.4 million. The dead cap is 35.8. Absolutely no way they cut him, all right, obviously. If he if he goes on IR, it is what it is. You can't control injuries. It's a part of the game, right? First of all, kudos to David Bakhtiari for getting the financial secured that he needed in case something like this did happen, right? I never look at it from the standpoint of lucky dog. No, man, these guys, this they they've got one shot 
to make this money for a, you know, a, a very short amount of time. So I'm glad that David Bottier got that. I think he's been a team guy. He was a guy who was underrated coming into the league. He has earned every penny that they've paid him, in my opinion. I think the fact that he played on that rookie contract and did so well at arguably the most important or the second most important position in the entire National Football League is, you know, kudos to him. So let's move on to 2023. Let's say he is done, right? And there's nothing we can do about it. Well, his cap hit next year is 29 million. However, obviously he wouldn't be on the roster. So that dead cap number is 23.1 million. Now I've heard that there are some insurance, you know, uh, clauses and and uh, things that that kind of apply to these contracts when someone is injured and they retire. So there may be a little bit more coming back. But let's think worst case scenario. 23 million will be what we're on the hook for next year. So guys, that saves us 6 million on the cap next year. Yes, there's a ton of dead money sitting there. But to pretend like this is the end of the Green Bay Packers if David Bakhtiari doesn't play another snap is just silly. I mean, it's literally 6 million freed up. We know he was not going to play for that 29 million anyway. There was going to be some kind of restructure or voidable years tacked on anyway. So that that doesn't look as bad as everyone claims it, you know, claims it is on Twitter. 2024 He's his cap hit was thirty two point nine million. There's no way he was going to play for that cap hit. It was going to be restructured anyway if he made it that far, right? The dead cap is only eleven million dollars, guys. I mean, you do the math there. What is that? Twenty one million dollars in savings if he's not on the roster. Yep. So this is not the end of the Green Bay Packers if David Bakhtiari is indeed done. I hope he gets healthy. I hope he's ready for Week One. I hope he plays this contract out, and they do have to restructure it and kick the can down the road just to hear people cry about it. To be honest with you. And uh, I think I think everything's going to be just fine. But it's important to kind of look into that contractual uh, aspect of uh, of the whole situation. Now, here's the thing, too. You've got Elton Jenkins and you've got Rashawn Gary, to me, are probably the two most important with Adrian Amos coming in third. If, if you're going to sign him beyond 30 years old, um, you got to get a contract extension done with these two guys. I kind of feel like if Elton Jenkins, the second they realize his knee is good, you got to kind of bump him to the front. Do you guys see it that way too? Just a real quick 30-second answer. Ryan, do you see it the same way? Like, okay, let's secure Elton now. Let's maybe give him a little more than we would have to make sure that left tackle is shored up. Or do you think it's still Rashawn Gary's at the top of the list? Yeah, I, I think Elton's probably – I mean, it, it's basically 1A and 1B. It doesn't really matter. You have to get both done. But, yeah, I think pending the David Bakhtiari thing, um, you know, th- there was some – question about the contention between how do they want to pay him you know maybe the Packers want to pay him as a guard and he wants tackle money I think at this point we can just stop playing stupid games and say he is officially a tackle we know he's a tackle give the man tackle money you know what I mean if the Packers want to play stupid games like that which I don't think they will that's just absurd you know the, the guy is he's going to be probably a long-term left tackle for the team at some point and uh, he should be paid accordingly um Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I, I I don't see that as being a big point of contention. And like you said, I do think that becomes a top priority. Um, but yeah, I, I, if if I heard that Rashawn was actually a more important thing for the Packers, would I be upset? Not really. I mean, it, it's you can't get more valuable than than both of those guys. So it's it's probably one A and one B in my mind. Absolutely, Jacob. You agree with that, man? Yep. Exactly. One A, one B. I just personally, I love Rashawn Gary so much. I went from when we got drafted, literally looking like who's Rashawn, why, why to right. the next, you know, the next year, I love the guy. And then the next year after that, my grandpa's wearing a Rashawn Gary Jersey. You know what I mean? Like, so 
well, I, I'm excited. I want to pay the man. I want to pay both of them. I, I'm a fanboy for Gary because he's one of the only uh, Packer players that interacts with us on Instagram, shares right. some of our stuff. So can't help but root for the guy. And he's just, you know, like Ryan said back in the day, watching him the day he got drafted emotionally just break down and be thankful. We knew like, holy crap, that dude's got our back until we kick him out, basically. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely emerged as a team leader. I'm excited about getting him under contract. And, and again, that's going to shift some things in, in the current year that the deal gets done. So that whole David Bakhtiari thing next year, if they do the deal next year for Rashawn Gary, you could free up a ton of money that year and everything looks good for the future. So, guys, we're going to wrap it up. We're out of time here. Thank everyone so much for taking the time to hang out with us. You could be listening to anything. You choose to, to hang out with this nut this nut job crew here, and we, we definitely don't take it lightly. <laughs> Um, let's, uh, yeah. So let's go out and have a great week. As always, let's go be the change we want to see in the world and go pack, go. Hey.